G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, you know how we often spend some time focusing on those things that are happening in the nation of Israel because Israel is an important nation in the sight of God. They're still the people of God. And so, therefore, those things that are happening there are significant and especially for those who are following closely what is said in Bible prophecy about what happens to Israel in the last days. Well, let's get some insights today from Jude. Jews for Jesus. Bob Mendelson is with Jews for Jesus, and he's talking to us from Sydney today. Hello, Bob. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. As we are looking at the nation of Israel, some significant things about to happen. Perhaps those things could bring danger, and perhaps those things could be significant, bringing good to the Jewish people. Bob, as we look at those issues that are going on in Israel, what are the most significant ones that are coming up in the near future? It would be hard to miss the reality of the rhythm and canter of the Jewish calendar. From Leviticus 23, we see that God has appointments with the Jewish people, and they're titled Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles, etc. And there are two that are coming up on our calendar straight away, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that is the Jewish New Year and the Day of Atonement. And because of the rhythm that the Bible gives us, Jewish people worldwide have committed ourselves to that very calendar, and we anticipate great things to come during those days. Uh, Let's start with Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, because it doesn't happen at the same time as our Australian New Year does. What's so special about Rosh Hashanah? Well, in the Bible, Rosh Hashanah is the day of the blowing of trumpets, The rabbis have given us certain requirements. You have to hear the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn, 100 times each day. And we're to begin to reflect and beat our breast and cry uh, the list and litany of our sins. It's the 10 days of repentance or 10 days of awe that are initiated on that day so that we are ready to meet him on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Okay, now the significance of the Day of Atonement, and where does that fall on the calendar? It will be 10 days later. This year, it's September 22nd, 23rd. All Jewish holidays begin at night, the night before. So it's really the 23rd, but we're going to note it on the evening of the 22nd. And on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus, chapter 16 and 17, and again in chapter 23, we read a lot about the particulars of how to approach God. Of course, they were temple-based, in those days tabernacle-based. Later on in the thousand-year reign of King Solomon and all who followed him, while the temple was still standing in Jerusalem, Every bit of Judaism was built and focused there. So the Day of Atonement celebration or note or um, 
practice was all based in temples. So we had to bring an animal. We had to bring several animals. In fact, blood of one, scapegoat of the other, passed on one by one by one into the wilderness. There was all kinds of regulations that were placed on us, all so that we could be at peace or in relation or at one with God again. Since the temple was destroyed in 70 of the Common Era, Jewish people have adjusted, because we don't have a temple, so we've adjusted how we are atoned. But that doesn't adjust what God said in the Scriptures. Okay, when we talk about these things as a Christian, we'd say the atonement is something that is all wrapped up in the work that Jesus did on the cross. For Jews who don't observe Jesus as the Messiah, uh, these things are connected in so many ways. And, and some of the meaning that we understand in Jesus is clearly seen in the way that Jews are celebrating this Day of Atonement. Is that the way that you'd look at it? Neil, the reality of sin and forgiveness is so distant and remote from most Jewish people whether in Brisbane or Darwin or Perth, wherever Jewish people are, Melbourne, Sydney, we don't think much as Jews about sin. We think there are sinners, those are the bad people who kill others, who've killed us over the centuries. But we don't really think about ourselves as sinners until these high holidays. And then we beat our breast and we say, uh, I've done this sin, I've done that sin, etc. So we repent and we think about sin in these days. The problem with confessional sin is that we don't necessarily bring the right stuff, if you will, to the Almighty like we're supposed to, according to Leviticus, and that is we're supposed to bring blood, we're supposed to have a mediator bring us and the the prayers to the Almighty, and we're supposed to have some kind of transfer of sins into a goat. Now, all those were basically done in Jesus and not done in modern days in the modern practice of Judaism. So as I grew up an Orthodox Jew, I was very devout and very concerned about sin and the forgiveness, etc. I never felt assured that I was forgiven. I would leave, if you will, with the one-word sentence forgiven and have a question mark at the end. Huh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. But now as a Messianic Jew, that is a Jew who believes in Jesus, that question mark has been rubbed out and it's now an exclamation mark. I am forgiven. Hallelujah. So there's an assurance that happens in someone who, like yourself, grew up in Jewish faith. Uh, but you, I guess, call yourself a, a Messianic Christian, a completed Jew. Uh, when you talk about that uh, completion, what you're saying is that really relates to an assurance of salvation, of forgiveness before God. That's right. We are forgiven of our sins. It was that for which I longed, uh, that I could have that guarantee from heaven that he'd heard my prayers, that he noticed me, that he cared about me, that I was his. That is not necessarily given in the Jewish religion or in really any religion. Most religions, you have to earn somehow the, the favor or at least the notice of the deity. But in 
what you call Christianity, what I call messianism, that is a faith in Jesus as the Messiah and the satisfaction that he brings us in relation to the Almighty, there is that assurance that it's all based on what he did, not on who we are in our performance. Okay, we've got the Jewish New Year that comes up on Sunday the 13th of September and then uh, shortly after that, 10 days beyond, uh, is the Day of Atonement. There's some other things happening. Stay around. I'd like to talk to you, Bob, and discuss uh, what's coming up with the end of a Sabbath year and the ushering in of the Jubilee year that happens only uh, once every 50 years. Uh, Stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments Bob Mendelson our guest from Jews for Jesus we've been talking through some issues of things that are coming up on the Jewish calendar and those things that as a Christian believer and looking at the nation of Israel and recognizing that it's still the people of God the Jews and God has amazing things in store for his people but there are some things we can glean from understanding their Jewish calendar that help us to deepen and understand our own Christian faith. Bob Mendelssohn is our guest from Jews for Jesus, himself a completed Jew or a Messianic Jew. Bob, another couple of things that are coming up beyond the Rosh Hashanah and the Atonement, and that is that we're coming to the end of what's called a Sabbath year. What does that mean? Every seven years, according to the Scripture, God wanted the Jewish people in the agricultural world of modern-day Israel, then Canaan, to take the year off. Let the crops lie fallow, let the nutrients be resupplied into the, into the land. Uh, people would have to forgive debts and do all kinds of other things that would be appropriate for the maintenance of a society. And this is the end of uh, another seven-year cycle called the Shemitah. And beyond this Shemitah is something that doesn't happen all that often, and for a lot of people, I guess, only once in a lifetime, a Jubilee year. And so at the end of this Shemitah, uh, the Jubilee year begins. What does that mean? If this is so, that this is a Jubilee year, and I'm not so convinced that it is, mind you, Nobody keeps that kind of good record. You'd think we would by now, but every 49 years, that is every, you're right, it would take a, a, one person would not have two in his lifetime, generally speaking. The, the land completely lies fallow for almost three years. They take the whole year off again. People return to their tribal roots. Houses are resupplied to people who've gone, let's say, just think Australia, you were raised, say, in Brisbane and your family moves to Sydney, you would, in the 50th year, go back to Brisbane and take your home again. (laughs) I don't know what the people there would do, but there was all kinds of mobility as people returned and roots, which are something that are seriously missing in modern day, uh, as young people especially are from multi-divorce and multi-stepfather and uh, et cetera, or parents who live together and then they don't and then they have other partners. I think young people today are seriously looking for their roots and rootedness. And when they find it, not only in Jesus, but in a culture, they become extremely committed to that. So every 50 years in the Jewish religion, God had us reroute. 
and find our home again. Because when you find home, then you know how to live the rest of your life. And caught up in all of that, Bob, the idea of debts being forgiven, slaves being set free, uh, about redemption in all areas of life, uh, the slate wiped clean, like hitting the reset button. That's exactly right. Resetting things, reinitializing the hard disk, starting all over again. So the slaves were released if they wanted to, or they could have their earlobes and they could stay as indentured servants to whoever it was to whom they'd given themselves. The, the land was returned back to the way it was supposed to. So it's, it's you know, we, here we were, slaves, coming out of 400 years in Egypt. God gave us Torah, this enlightened book and information by the which we learned how to live with one another, with him, psychologically with ourselves, And this whole idea of restoration, which the Jubilee says, even the word Jubilee sounds like a freedom word, that is intended to get us continually free rather than be encumbered with a new system, whether Egypt's system or the Assyrian system or Babylonian system, whatever was extant. Now God wants to make sure, look, you're going to have a freedom in me. And Bob, at the beginning of our conversation, I said there was rising anticipation of what these things might mean. Uh, Are you expecting that there's going to be any special events, uh, any movement in what happens uh, with the nation of Israel? Uh, What is your general anticipation of what it might mean with the Jubilee year? I was just in Israel in August and met with many of the Messianic leaders and Arab Christian leaders who are dealing with this in the land every day. They are anticipating that God will continue to move in the land in the sense of reconciliation between Arab Christians and Messianic Jews. They are seeing it live and in color pretty much every week. It's really a holy and awesome thing to experience. And because of that, there are more and more Jews and non-Jews who are finding Messiah. There is nothing more exciting to me than people hearing the good news, deciding about it, relating to it, and then coming to faith in the Jesus of the Scriptures. That's something we're watching, not only in Australia and in the United States and England, but it's also happening right there in the land of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. And Bob, you've seen this time and time again where Jews have come to a point where they've understood who Jesus is. What happens in the life of a Jewish person when they have this encounter with Jesus Christ and and something is revealed to their hearts? When God opens our eyes to see the beauty of Yeshua and his death and resurrection, something trans transforms us from the inside. So we're born again, we turn and tell others, and a lot of people will say, he's crazy, he's not in his right mind, he's, eh, maybe maybe he's got something there. There's a real interest or disinterest in friends and family because of our new faith in Messiah. I don't know very many Jewish believers in Jesus who are not sharing what they believe with others and as a result cause all kinds of havoc and heaven to uh, splash up against their relationships with others. When 
Messianic Jews come to faith, we often gather together in groups. We certainly see that in Melbourne and here in Sydney. There are groups of Messianic Jews who invite others into that community. And that's really beautiful to see. And one last question, Bob, where there are all sorts of things that people are saying uh, that blood moons and tetrads uh, mean something. Is this something that Jewish people are interested in, or is it just something that uh, some people on the other side of the world sometimes pick up on as signs in the heavens? Is that something that you're aware of? I'm very aware of the books and all the conversation about blood moons and etc., there are times in history where these have shown up, and because they happen, mind you, Jewish holidays often begin on a full moon, so that it is sequenced with Jewish holidays is not a surprise since it's a full moon operation that, that people are intrigued by. Uh, most Jewish people have no clue at all about blood moons. It's not a point of conversation in synagogues anywhere that I know of, and I monitor Jewish press pretty regularly. There, are, there is a buzz about it in certain evangelical circles, certain charismatic circles. There's an interest in it. Uh, look, end of the day, what happens is God's trying to get our attention that we might focus on him as believers. We might proclaim him as believers to a world that so desperately needs him that we would get in the rhythm and canter, if you will, of Jewish festivals, which I think the Blood Moons movement, if I can call it that, is accomplishing. And end of the day, what do we want? We want all people everywhere to hear and consider and follow the good news of Yeshua. So whatever tools we use, whether it's a late great planet Earth book, a, a Blood Moons book, or something about... Uh, the, uh, a star that's rising over Bethlehem, everything we might use still is going to point us to Yeshua, to Jesus. And he and he alone is that for which we should be speaking, about whom we should be speaking and lifting up. Because when he lifts, when he's lifted up, <laughs> he draws all men to himself. Well, good insights into the Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year that starts Sunday the 13th. And of course, beyond that, 10 days following is, of course, the the Day of Atonement. So we're talking about the end of a Shemitah year or a Sabbath year and the ushering in of a Jubilee year. So significant things that are happening on the calendar for Jewish people and things there that, as a Christian, you can glean so much as to what has come from the tradition of the Jewish people. Bob Mendelson, our guest, and I'll point our listeners, Bob, to the website jewsforjesus.org.au and there may be some who want to connect with you. Bob, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Shalom. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.